This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, 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 let's go business storytellers. Episode 537. We're moving moving forward with the show. Really appreciate everybody tuning in. Today, we want to talk about content knowledge graphs. What are they? How do we use them? I am not an expert at mapping anything. It is too complicated for me. But I heard Ashley Faith, and I don't remember what podcast it was, uh, but very interesting topic. Maybe she can remind us if she remembers or if I mentioned it to her where I heard her. But very interesting topic. Um, how do we use content graphs, uh, knowledge graphs? Why does it matter? And, and you know, why is it important? Uh, and how does it help us tell better stories? Let's get Ashley on the show here. Um, Ashley Faith, an expert at knowledge graphs. Thanks for joining me. Hey. You're much quicker with the fist bump than I am in my <laughs> old age. I move slowly. Ha ha. Hey, so really appreciate you coming on the show. But um, to get us started, tell us about your background. Um, like, you know, I mean, you're very passionate about this topic. How did that come about? And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about it a lot. So that's awesome. But, but tell us I, the history. I do. Yeah. So uh, I, I did not start out life um, doing Knowledge Graph, but um, I was working at a publisher um, called SAE, Society of Automotive Engineers. It's my first job out of library school. Um, and so that's part of my background. I have a master's in library science. And then, you know, after getting that job and discovering, wow, people don't know how to find content and it's very difficult to do. Um, I, I started to get into machine learning and understanding how you can connect, how people think about things to actual content. And that led me to knowledge graphs and a PhD in it. So after that, I've got 15 years experience doing this and, uh, I love it. It's, I think the best bridge between people and the content and the information they seek. And that's why I do it. And what's interesting is, I mean, very true, right? I mean, it's much easier just focusing on creating new content and especially to us former journalists, right? That's kind of, that's what we're trained to do. In fact, I was just thinking about this the other day. Why are newspapers writing new articles every time there's an update in a criminal case? Just update mm -hmm. the one article you already have. Makes mm -hmm. no sense why we need 12,000 articles on the same topic within reason, of course. Um, but it is much easier just to create new content as opposed to figuring out what you already have and how it already interconnects with each other. Um, so, but give us an overview, a definition of what's a knowledge graph and how would it even show up in, you know, my day-to-day -day life as a business storyteller? Well, I think that there's there's a few different flavors of knowledge graph that um, folks that are dealing with content probably see. So the first that I deal with the most is for search. So when somebody is typing in, you know, I'm looking for an article on cats. Well, maybe they say gato instead, or maybe they say kitty cat. Or, you know, there's different words that we all use semantically for the same thing that has whiskers and meows and, you know, has a long tail and is your pet. So that's where Knowledge Graph can help is you have this expansion of a query 
with all the different synonyms, all the different languages, without having to have a bajillion node taxonomy. So that's number one. You can use a knowledge graph to do query enhancement uh, to your search. The second is actually doing um, some of the curation of the content that you own already that you are starting to write. So for instance, if you have a newsroom, for instance, and you want to know what is the hot topics, probably looking at the corpus of things you already have and how well they did is a good strategy to use. Or it's something like, how can I derive data? I think a lot of the time in our content space, it's very uh, typical for people to see content as still a document. But really, in today's world, a document is just a container of data. And so to your point, this is something that you can constantly update and, and derive things from. It's not just a static piece of information anymore. So Knowledge Graph connects all of those things together so that you can derive that kind of information without having to uh, create a giant data lake or you know amassing this giant monolith of information. Knowledge Graphs can just dip into all of the different data that you have across your organization to help you with those stories. Of course, we have so much data in many companies. I mean, I was just looking at some some content from years ago that you know is still worthwhile to to use and reuse. Uh, so I I can just imagine like the bigger the company, the more content they have, and not just on mm -hmm. not just on the website, but but everywhere. Now, so the way when I just listened to you talk about this, I'm, I'm kind of visualizing. There's two ways, right? That maybe there's more, but in my oversimplistic view of life here. We have the external knowledge graph, right? So that's like Google and they're trying to make sense of things or whatever. And then we have internal. So when I'm looking for, hey, who has, where's all the content on taxonomy, you know, for my mm -hmm. blog or my, my content marketing company or just mm -hmm. to make this up here a little bit. How do we even build those? Like, how do I even go about, I mean, you know, now, if I'm looking for something on my blog, I just go to Google. You know, I mean, there's a search bar now. But a lot of companies don't even have search bars on their website, which I, I get it why they wouldn't want to have one. But how do well, we these are very often used for people that build their own product, too, right? Okay. So it's, yeah. So I, I think that the search aspect is usually for those that have some kind of product, whether it's a SaaS or some kind of other service um, that is maybe a static, um, like e-commerce site sort of thing that knowledge graphs are giving you all those recommendations you, you get, that's from a knowledge graph most, most of the time. You know, if you're trying to figure out um, what is the thing, what is that called? That's usually a knowledge graph, right? Like when you're typing, you know, hard coding things into a search engine and it somehow figures out um, what you are searching on, even if it's not on Google, it is often there are knowledge graph like things on the back end of those. So I love your question on how do you get started, because I would say in the last two years, this is something that has been really uh, creeping into the knowledge graph market. And that is there's been a lot of big players in, you know, knowledge graph databases. Right. So if you Google knowledge graph, you'll find lots of vendors. And on my YouTube channel, I review a lot of them. If you want to go and check those out, they're all honest reviews, my own personal opinion on these things. But what has started to come out in the last two years <laughs> is you don't always need a graph of your own. There are now, um, and I won't mention the names because I don't want to give them um, <laughs> unintentional plugs, 
But there are certain um, knowledge graph providers that it is a service now that you provide uh, to the customer. So it's an ABI call and you can grab pieces of a graph and use it how you need to use it to, to do analytics and to understand how to make your search better without you having to build it from scratch, which is a really positive thing for all of us that might not have the best IT department. Makes sense. And so, you know, one thing when I, um, when I look at any kind of graph, so even, you know, I mean, the, the marketing funnel, I guess, is probably, I get that, I, I figure that out, I guess, but, but some journey maps, you know, you look at those and you're like, okay, I get it, but now what? Do you know what I mean? Like you're trying to figure out, okay, this is connected, that's connected, but is it to a point where it actually makes sense of everything for you or is it just, you know, this here's how things beauty. are connected? This is no, this is the beauty of a knowledge graph is it's not a bunch of machines. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, knowledge graph and knowledge management go very heavily together. So this is a great way. All of that really special knowledge that your staff has, whether it is what makes a good story or what is um, the best way to sell a certain product. That kind of special knowledge is something that you can then empower your staff to start to document how they do that. Now, do they need to know how to do a graph? Absolutely not. I am never going to say that. But um, working with them in like these data therapy sessions is what I call these, is you sit down, you understand their special sauce, and then you can take that and, and put that into the knowledge graph so that others at your organization can then benefit from that knowledge. And you start to then build this, you know, powerhouse of knowledge that everyone can use. And it just makes your product, your search experiences and your business intelligence that much better. So this is very much a, a piece to the human to machine bridge as well, because a knowledge graph allows the individuals, the like, knowledge is in the name because it's human knowledge. It's not necessarily computer knowledge. Very interesting. And so when you say everyone can use it, how does that look in practice, though? I mean, do I just kind of go jump into the data lake, right, and, and no. figure out like, how, too no. many buzzwords? How, but how do I how does that look in practice? Yeah. And, and when we say everyone who like, is that everyone or, or who specifically? So remember, a knowledge graph is usually behind the scenes, whether it's an internal knowledge graph or something that you're using on your own product. So what that means is you always want to start, a, you know, your knowledge graph journey with a business problem. So, for instance, this is a very common uh, reason that people go into the knowledge graph space, which is, OK, I am a publisher, but I'm an aggregator. Right. So I need to make sure that all of the partners that I work with, I have a pipeline, right, of getting all their content in, synthesizing it, understanding how it fits into all of my other content. Okay, what if something breaks down in that pipeline? Are you going to know when it breaks down? You probably are going to know a little too late. So this is where a knowledge graph actually can, can help, where you as an individual, let's say you're the person that's um, helping with the, uh, the population to, to your um, product, or, or your uh, content uh, service. You don't need to know how the rest of the pipeline works, but if you have a, a dashboard or you have um, an alert system that says, oh, I know that um, this department did not receive that information that they normally do, what is the repercussion across the entire pipeline? That is where a knowledge graph would, would be surfacing those things because they're all connected on the back end. 
right? So knowing all of the different ramifications, you know, the, the whole um, throw a, a stone into the pond and see the ripples. So this is helping you understand those ripples in your reporting, in your analytics. So the knowledge graph is just helping you connect information to, to understand the full impact of, of what's happening. And then you have that servicing in the, the, the areas that you are the most familiar with, like Tableau or any other thing that you're using to understand how your content is doing and how your products are doing. And when we talk about those measurements, we talk about all the different measurements, right? We're not just talking about revenue. I know I, I, I know people, that's all they want to talk about, right? Revenue. That's the only metric we care about. I care about that too, <laughs> but there's other metrics along the way, right? That, oh, you that don't know the storm care. cloud. I call that the storm cloud of data that's hanging over your head and it's raining to pour down on you. And then your revenue is going to be hurt. So you want to make sure you understand what that storm cloud contains and how it might be audited, which is the other piece of this, right? Is Knowledge Graph will allow you to uh, kind of track where everything goes, who has access to it. It is very much a data strategy and data governance perspective on this as well, where Knowledge Graph can help you connect and understand all of those kind of aspects. So similar to how you would understand like fraud detection, kind of figuring out what smells fishy, you can do the same thing with your own content, except hopefully it's not fraud. It's more, you know, like, oh, somebody forgot to do this or, you know, this didn't come in as expected. And then you know how that's going to impact your revenue because you know ahead of time, right? It's helping you do that forecasting. Very interesting. The storm cloud, I'm going to have to use that one of these days. Um, the other thing that, you know, I, I was thinking of the story. I was speaking at a conference uh, years ago now, and I said, who on your team should be the content and analyst and people were like oh maybe this writer maybe that person but nobody said the analyst duh and yeah. i said let me ask you this who on your team should be the writer and everybody said well duh the writer right i mean no question by anybody so it, this sounds very similar to me like people saying well who is in charge of this who is in charge of setting this up and i have a few theories in my head on who could potentially do it so now i'm going down the the rabbit hole here of, well, who, who, who else can add the slash to their job title? But you are the expert. You tell me who should actually work on making sure this is implemented correctly. Can you add it to somebody's oh, title? Or yeah. So, so, so first of all, <laughs> my husband always gets mad at me. He's like, you know, knowledge graph is not the, the answer to everything, Ashley. I'm like, mm, maybe, I mean, to, to be all in all honesty, it's not, but um, a knowledge graph can actually do <laughs> help you understand who you can gather in for projects. So NASA, for instance, um, does this to understand what engineers have what skill sets to then bring them onto different teams um, that are being developed for, for new projects. So that aside, who's doing this? So um, you need at least um, somebody that is going to be a business advocate, the person that understands the business problem that you are trying to solve. And they're going to be your advocate because they want to, to surface this information and understand this information in an easier way. They are not going to be graph experts. But you do need somebody on the side where, you know, there are often, you know, the analysts, taxonomists are very good at this. Um, even if they don't have knowledge graph skills quite yet, their brains are usually structured to understand these things so they can usually upskill to this. Um, engineers to a certain extent will also be able to help you with um, setting up knowledge graph. And then there's a ton of third parties out there um, that are great at helping you get this set up. So 
You need someone to help you with the architecture. And oftentimes this architecture is free to a certain data points. So you can experiment for free, which is amazing. There's tons of open uh, tools to learn these things, or you could come over to my channel and listen to how I do it. Um, there's other shameless plugs, sorry. Um, there's also a lot of things that you need to focus on as far as the data modeling. So how are these things related to one another? And honestly, that is just a whiteboarding session, right? You sit down, you have uh, circles, and lines and you connect things together as a group and see how the model kind of services so that you can answer some of these questions. And you always want to answer one question at a time with a knowledge graph so that you can build the graph um, according to your needs and not just say, let's build a knowledge graph and throw everything in the kitchen sink in because that usually doesn't end well. <laughs> so is there one specific title that does things like this? No, I don't think so, but I would say it's more of a mentality and how people think about data is the way to think about this. I mean, I'm just impressed that you talk with your husband about knowledge graphs. I, I mentioned content strategy to my wife and <laughs> right. She doesn't want to talk about it. Um, I don't I don't I don't blame her. Um, but very that's exciting. So um tell me about Joe Polizzi. The, the content marketing godfather, you know, when he gets asked, at what point should we um, monetize our content? Because sometimes mm -hmm. people, they want that roadmap, right? Like, oh, we need to create this much stuff before we can monetize anything. And he says, baloney, monetize it right away. If you can figure out, and of course, how you monetize content depends on what your strategy is, right? This podcast is more on the journalistic side of monetization. Mm -hmm. In my day job, I'm a corporate content marketer, right? So we don't, there's no ads, there's no sponsorships. It's about selling the product ultimately. Mm -hmm. So very different. But when you just talk about these different roles and the different skill sets, it did make me wonder, um, at what point should companies think about this, uh, you know, early or, or later or, or, and how does that look in reality? Yeah. So, um, Maybe it's a, a badly hidden secret, but I, I would honestly say every company is looking at this right now. Maybe they don't know it's called a knowledge graph. And um, I have found that there is a divisive statement sometimes. So be careful throwing around the word knowledge graph. You'll either get the stakeholders that are like, wow, that's sexy. I want to do that. And they have no idea what it is. Or you'll get the folks that are like, oh, no, that's the bubbles and lines thing. I don't want anything to do with that. So you'll get maybe a combination of those two uh, reactions, but there is a lot of companies that are looking into this because Knowledge Graph has only recently, within the last five years, developed to be strong enough, um, the compute power to, to use TrueGraph has only really come about, I would say, in the last five years. Now, they've been Graph databases have been around for a very long time, but it's only recently that they've gotten to that maturity level. So what that means is people are looking around and they're saying, hmm, personalized search, for instance, everybody wants personalized search or, you know, as far as content, derived content, right? So making more out of content that you are already making, right? So what can I slice and dice and, and, and derive from the data that I already have, meaning my content? You'll notice I say data, but I actually mean content most of the time. So this is where a lot of folks are turning to a knowledge graph. Now they will start 
with those two approaches that I mentioned before, which is either let's start from a business case and work our way out to create that graph. I would highly recommend doing it that way because then you get buy-in very quickly, you get ROI very quickly, and then you can get the funding to do more with it if you want to. The other approach is the throw everything in the kitchen sink into a graph. And while you can certainly do that, then you're, 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 you're adding more um, storm to the storm cloud of data because you don't really know what's in there. There's a lot of duplication. If you're just getting familiar with what graph is and how it can help you, adding trillions of things into a graph is not the best way to find your way through it. <laughs> Probably starting on a smaller scale is the way to, to find your way through that. And, you know, get familiar with the types of use cases that Knowledge Graph are used for today. There's a lot of people that are very open about how they're using a Knowledge Graph and find somebody to emulate, to see what lessons that they can teach you before you make those same mistakes. So a lot of people are getting involved in it and they either try to start from scratch, but I'm also trying to encourage people to look for opportunities to use some of those Knowledge Graph as a service stuff that's out there right now. Because oftentimes you don't, if you're using, for instance, analytics, if you're just trying to understand the analytics of, of all the topics that you have in your content to see which ones are doing the best um, monetization wise, you don't need a giant graph to persist to understand that. That's an analytics problem. So grab, you know, a, a pre-made graph from, from one of these services, layer in your own taxonomy on it, and then you get an understanding very quickly and then you can flush it, right? So that way you don't have all that maintenance costs associated with it. And you know, as you were talking about content performance specifically there, I was thinking about the, the bubbles and lines, right? As, as you called them, <laughs> they can actually help me you know, make sense of it because what you just described, yes. I can certainly look at content and see how it performed. And I've been able to do that for a long, long time, quite frankly, but without having a knowledge graph to make <laughs> sense of it, I might not catch necessarily the the trends or, or the connections, right? I might see, okay, this article on whatever topic A is performing really well, but I'm not so sure that I would make the connection that topic A.1 is related mm -hmm. or I might not see it, right? Because it's <laughs> a down, but overall it should be all connected. Yeah, and, and just as a FYI, the way to understand that exact use case is called shortest path, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's the same um, rationale that delivery trucks use to understand the shortest route to get to all the nodes, right? The circles, the houses on, on their route. So if you have two articles and you know they're doing really well and you want to find out if they have anything in common, if you have those two articles in a graph, the shortest path will show you what thing those two or what things, if there's multiple, those two articles have the most in common. Now, there's a difference, of course, between causation and correlation. So there is some additional work you need to do to understand if that's really, you know, the measure of success for what those two things have in common, but it's a really good way to understand that. Um, in my past, I've used this with other companies that were trying to understand if they could um, reach a different market. So in this case, it was an aerospace manufacturer. So they did um, materials engineering and they were trying to find a new market. And while we were trying to figure out, you know, the usage of the content that they were providing. So in this case, these were standards on, you know, aerospace materials. Um, we started to notice a lot of 
medical device manufacturers were using and reading that content. And we're like, huh, wonder why that is. So after we we spun up a quick graph to just do analytics, we realized that a lot of the same materials that were used in aerospace are also used in medical devices. So with that by itself, we figured out there was an entirely new market that we weren't marketing to for our aerospace materials. Very interesting. In the last minute here, Ashley, um, tell us about your YouTube channel. Most importantly, <laughs> tell us where people can find it. What do you talk about? Who should subscribe? And you know how often do you share updates on there? Thank you. So I post usually weekly, sometimes twice a week, and I am focused on uh, demystifying knowledge graph and taxonomy and data science topics. And you can find it on YouTube by searching my name, Ashley Faith. And I look forward to, to seeing all of you over there. Um, it's it's pretty fun. I try to make it at least halfway entertaining. It certainly is entertaining. Really appreciate you sharing your insights today. I certainly learned a lot about knowledge graphs. I don't necessarily want that task to be added to my slashes. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the very least, I think all of us need to understand how it works. How do we use it? Why does it matter? Uh, and then, you know, of course, that's the first step in uh, mm -hmm. implementing it. Really appreciate you making your time, making the time today. Well, thank you for inviting me. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.